0: What's up, everybody? This is Maggie Reichard, pronouns she, her. I'm a medical ICU nurse and your host for Nursing Uncharted, the podcast that talks all about different types of nursing while having uncharted conversations about the profession and the process. So today we are doing an Uncharted Chats episode all about working at the bedside during pregnancy. This episode is coming out at the very last minute because I am 38 weeks pregnant um, could go into labor anytime now, and um working at the bedside has been a challenge and you know once you it's been a challenge once you figure out you were pregnant all the way up to when you're waddling into the third trimester, so I wanted to do a q and a about this whole experience while it's in fresh in my mind um in hopes that a fellow nurse who's thinking about being pregnant or could be newly expecting um hoping that that will will help future nurses. So make sure to to subscribe on our YouTube channel, Nursing Uncharted, to watch the full episode or see highlights of this episode. And check us out on Instagram at Nursing Uncharted for snippets and extras about the show. So the first question I got was, how do you find the energy? Um, And it is... So the first trimester, you definitely... Uh, suck a lot of energy out of you um you can you're just like constantly fatigued um there's hormone surges and um just you're very fatigued you can have 200 milligrams of caffeine a day I think that's the that is the limit so take with that what you will um if you're a coffee person I, I was definitely a coffee person and I was never really a tea person um So, but I think I actually, I I was starting to cut off coffee altogether, um, before I was, um, pregnant. I started taking this stuff called mud water, which, um, maybe you've heard of it, but it's actually mushrooms. It's like seven different types of mushrooms and, um, it tastes like mud, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it doesn't taste great. I had used like almond milk and honey in it and stuff, but it had like more nutritional value and it was like one seventh a cup of coffee. Um, So I was drinking that before uh, I got pregnant. So I kind of like weaned myself off of coffee and I actually stopped drinking the mud water um, when I was pregnant because there's one, uh, one mushroom in there that I think increases your blood volume. And you're already increasing your blood volume being pregnant. So I think it puts you at risk for bleeding. So I think I had talked to a a friend of mine is a um, Chinese medicine doctor that like does a lot like, you know, knows all about herbal, herbal, you know, mushrooms and remedies and stuff. And so she gave me that recommendation to probably best not, um, so, but take with that with you at what you will, 200 milligrams of caffeine a day. Um, let your charge nurses know if you're pregnant, if you want to, because they can sometimes help with assignments. Um, that can certainly be, be helpful. First trimester is hard because you feel the worst and you have the most symptoms because your hormones are going crazy but you're not showing and you're not telling people. Um, so you're just kind of silently suffering by yourself. Um, I think I called out a couple of times during my first trimester. And um, so like know what your policies are about call-outs and use your best judgment, take care of yourself. Um, but yeah, sometimes letting your charge nurses know that, hey, I'm just really, really feeling fatigued. Sometimes they can help with with maybe giving you, like an easier assignment. Um, and then just obviously rest as much as you can when you're, when you're at home, um, because you're building an organ and you're growing a baby. So 12 hour shifts are, are hard baseline, but, um, yeah, I think that's, I think that's what I did. The second question, how is your job with parental leave? Um, this is a loaded question. Because I ended up doing some more research um, about this, because it doesn't help to know exactly what my specific job did, did which I'll go into. But um, you know, I ended up doing some research to figure out what the what the U.S. does federally versus what the states do, what's versus what's employer specific. So federally, uh, nationally, uh, that answer is easy because we do nothing. <laughs> the U.S. kind of sucks when it comes to maternity leave. I think we're a sm- one of a small number of countries who provides no national paid maternity leave. Um, on the state level, there are 11 states and the District of Columbia who have or will soon have paid family leave laws. And those states are California, New Jersey, Rhode Island, Washington, New York, Massachusetts, Connecticut, Oregon, Colorado, Maryland, Delaware, and D.C. Um, I got a lot of information on this topic from paidleave.us. It had a great PDF on how those states break down their policies. If you go to the FAQ section there, and I'll note that website a couple times in this podcast because it was super helpful. Um. Yeah. So some employers, I think most, not all, but most have, um, abide by the Family Medical Leave Act, FMLA, which entitles eligible employees of covered employers, that's important, to take unpaid, also important, job protective leave, for specified family and medical reasons with continuation of group health insurance coverage under the same terms and conditions as if the employee had not taken leave. So FMLA, generally it's 12 weeks and this is unpaid. And it, I mean, it just protects your job for those 12 weeks. Um, and who's a covered employer? So companies who use, I don't know if they... Are mandated to use FMLA or if they just have the option available to them. But they are the um, covered employers, have 50 or more employees within 75 miles of their workplace. Um, so that is, I mean, largely inpatient. I'm sure I would assume that's all hospitals, inpatient hospitals, but like outpatient positions or, you know, smaller, you know, clinics and things may not may not cover, um, be covered under FMLA. So in order to be eligible to take leave under FMLA, you must work for a covered employer. So the 50 or more employees within 75 miles, you have to have worked for that employer for 12 months, and you must have worked hourly uh, 1,250 hours during those 12 months prior to the start of leave again i found all this information on that same site paidleave.us on their faq page if you want to take a look um, at some more frequently asked questions there so that's fmla that's not nationally or state specific that is employer specific so working in an inpatient hospital setting you likely will be eligible for fmla if you meet those requirements um, and then, so you'll have FMLA and then you, if you're insured, um, you would have short-term disability and then you would have uh, paid parental leave. Paid parental leave is also employer specific. So for short-term disability, um, look at your state's policies around short-term disability. Something interesting that I found about my state, specifically in Virginia, Um, I found that the state of Virginia passed a Senate bill, 567 in 2020, which says that short-term disability policies are required to provide a maternity benefit of at least 12 weeks in length directly following childbirth. And these new requirements apply only to policies that were issued on or after July 1st, 2021. So after reading that, I reached out to the company that's processing my claim, um, for short-term disability because I was only approved for like six to eight weeks. Um, so I'm not sure if I didn't get the full 12 because my, I, my insurance policy, I've been working at my hospital before July, 2021. So I think that that's probably why, but I'm not sure, but take a look at your state, if they have any, um, policies for short-term disability. Um, and I think, What that looks like, as far as how you get paid, probably um, varies from different insurances. um, Because I think for mine, it's like sixty percent. I think of of my base pay is what short term disability is. So, and all of this information really isn't in one place, uh, which makes it really difficult. I got this information from my jobs. Uh, HR department. I got it from the company who processes the claims, which will be job specific. I got some information from my prenatal team, and then I um, had to do a lot of my own research. And I found that in looking into the policies at my job, that FMLA and short-term disability have to run together, but paid parental leave could be used at any time within the first six months of birth. So instead of doing Short-term disability and then going right into paid print to leave, which I would have gotten maybe 14 to 16 weeks that way. I'm actually doing my short-term disability, which will be about six to eight weeks, and then seeing out the rest of my FMLA, which will be another, you know, four to six weeks, using up all of my PTO and then going just unpaid um, until my FMLA ends, and then starting my paid parental leave, uh, which is eight weeks where I work. And that's fully paid. So I'll be out for 20 weeks. And your HR department at your job should be able to tell you what you can and can't do, um, what's available to you. But it's complicated. And sometimes they don't always know the policies well. So be your advocate. Uh, Be proactive about looking into those policies around FMLA, short-term disability, and paid parental leave at your facility. Okay. So, next question, what are the best scrubs to wear? So, I probably fit into my normal scrubs until like 12 or 13 weeks, I want to say. Um, and I I bought like a I bought one pair of just bigger non-maternity scrubs, which was dumb because then I didn't fit into them like a, for a matter of weeks afterwards. Um, What I actually ended up doing, I, I got a lot of, I reached out to other nurses on my unit and said, Hey, does anybody have maternity scrubs that I can borrow? Because I didn't want, I was like, I'm going to wear these for six months, you know, not really wanting to buy extra ones. And so a ton of people gave me, um, scrubs, which was awesome. Um, the ones that I ended up using exclusively was Med Um, they are so nice And they're not a real, I mean, it's like, you know, med couture sounds like very, you know, figs like they're not, I think they, I got them, um, they're on AllHeart.com or like, you know, just normal everyday websites, uh, you can get them on. And so they're not that expensive. Um, but yeah, they were like buttery soft. They're just super, super comfortable. I have three pairs and uh, that's all I wear. And then after a while, you know, like t-shirts and you got to figure out your hospital's policy, but like, you know, just like plain, plain t-shirts, sometimes that's more comfortable with like a vest, you know, you figure it out. But Med Couture for sure was my favorite. We'll
1: be right back to our interview. Grab a cup of coffee, but don't go anywhere because we want to talk to you about our podcast partner, American Mobile. No matter your specialty, American Mobile has endless travel nursing opportunities. With the largest clinical team of all staffing agencies, American Mobile is ready to support you in achieving your career goals. To learn more about the benefits of American Mobile, like higher earning potential, premium health coverage, and 401k matching, make sure to visit AmericanMobile.com to speak with a recruiter. Again, visit AmericanMobile.com to discover your next travel nursing adventure. Now back to the show.
0: Um, number four, can you work up until, until you deliver? You can, and most people do, I would say. Um, I just had a great talk with Andrea Dalzell. Um, she is a disability rights advocate and a uh, registered nurse who is in a wheelchair. She's been Um, in a wheelchair since she was 12 years old. And we talked a lot about accommodations for um, people with uh, permanent and temporary disabilities uh, in the hospital and kind of what that looks like. Um, You know, I think as a profession, we're really bad about, you know, being advocates for ourselves. And there's not a lot of there's there's not a lot of guidance um, and role models, I think, of of people that that take care of themselves um, and certainly in pregnancy. I think I have more friends that work all the way through and end up with injuries, pregnancy related injuries than ones that, you know, say or try to get accommodated um, for them. I am still working um and my plan was to work up until she delivers, um, until I deliver, because I wanted to accrue as much PTO as possible in order to, um, have more time with her and get that, you know, shaved down that unpaid time that I talked about before. Um, it, it's definitely hard. There was uh, probably around 33 or 34 weeks. I had pulled muscle in my neck, just lifting patients and, um, So, like, little things like hanging IV fluid bags or hanging CRT bags was getting more difficult. And just, like, reaching across the keyboard to get, you know, a glucometer or something, it was just starting to get really painful. Um, My feet were getting really swollen, and so I couldn't wear my normal shoes. So I wore, I, like, went into the closet and found these, like, 10-year-old sneakers don't do that. Bad idea. I got horrible plantar fasciitis. Um, (laughs) and so I was like, not only was I starting to wobble, but I was like limping. Um, and I started to get carpal tunnel in my left wrist too. And all of these things are pregnancy related, um, injuries. And I was bringing a massage gun to work. And like at first, at first I would just use it like once a shift And then I started using it more and more. And then I was using it every time I sat down and like a heating pack. And so it got, it was just becoming very painful to do the job. Um, So I sat down with my manager and I told her that, and, um, you know, I also talked to HR and I found the, uh, policy for my hospital uh, regarding pregnancy, um, related injuries, which basically said, you know, the hospital had a policy that said that they don't discriminate against pregnancy related injuries and that I could be accommodated for longer breaks and, you know, uh, more frequent breaks, a change in job responsibilities and even a temporary job transfer, um, just to a job that, that is more suitable at this time. Um, so I talked to my manager and I talked to HR and after that I was put on light duty. So light duty essentially for within, for my job, um, I'm still on the floor. I'm not taking patients, but I am doing a lot of administrative stuff. I am being a resource for the unit. I'm helping with admissions. I'm helping, you know, float kind of around the floor, giving meds. Um, but it allows me to take breaks that I need. It allows me to sit down when I need to. Um, and what else? I think I'm doing, I'm doing kind of like audits, you know, caudi Clabsy stuff. I'm, um, you know, helping leadership with some of their rounding. So there's a ton of stuff that I was able to do. Um, so that really helped. And if, so if you're, th- Getting to that point, and certainly there has to be a reason, right? Like if you're feeling good and you're not having any problems, you know, like you just have to, you have to listen to your body and and figure out. But, um, you know, if you're starting to feel that way, see what your hospital has in regards to accommodations for those work-related, um, pregnancy-related work-sustained injuries. Um, because... A lot of people i mean i have two friends one broke their tailbone another herniated a disc when they're in their third trimester and we shouldn't be waiting for that to happen before we start trying to accommodate our own um injuries we don't have to i mean there's in um i would hope that most hospitals have some some type of of policy um there so but that's that is what i'm that's That is what I'm doing. Next question. How do you combat morning sickness for a 12-hour shift? So morning sickness is in quotations because I think, well, at least for me, morning sickness, well, the sickness is related to feeling hungry. Like your nausea and hunger are, you know, if you're not you, you eat in order to make the nausea go away which is like uh you know it feels like that shouldn't be the case but it is so i think that's probably why we say morning sickness because when you're fasting all throughout the night and then you wake up so i had crackers by my bed um and i just grazed all day so in a 12 hour shift My lunchbox would be like 20 pounds. (laughs) I had, I had grapes. Grapes are great because they have good water content. Um, I would have saltines. I would make like saltines with almond butter, uh, like cracker sandwiches. And I would put them in the freezer for a little bit before work. And then I have these like little, little sandwiches, um, celery and hummus, just like healthy stuff. But I would graze all day, um. And that would really help me, that would help me through the 12-hour the shift. Um, and talk to your OB or midwife about what meds you can take. I know um, for me, I was told Unisom helps. That's a sleep aid, but it also uh, helps with nausea in the morning. And B6, vitamin B6 is is definitely one that I was taking um, during that time. Next question. So what patients can or can't you take? Um, I can only speak to my place of work. I believe that that's probably up to the hospital's policy. I work in the medical ICU, which was the COVID ICU. um, And we would all take COVID patients pregnant or not, you know, because PPE works. I said so many times before, I think it's more, you know, it's more likely for us to get covid and other diseases when we're out in the community unmasked and in close contact with others you know sharing drinks whatever we're doing then then when we're hyper aware of the disease and when we're gowned and masked and you know up to the nines in the hospital um you know that being said now that we have one or two covid patients on the unit at a time I won't be assigned to that assignment because we're more immunocompromised than the next nurse and there are other nurses that can take those patients um and that goes for a lot of diseases like shingles tb you know a lot of the airborne things um i don't think it's hospital policy as much as it is kind of an unspoken accommodation that other nurses kind of protect the pregnant nurses at least that has been where i've work and i'm lucky for that um I will say at my place of work, it's generally a, and I don't know if this is policy or if this is a cultural thing, but pregnant nurses won't go to interventional radiology if your patient has to go, um, for a trip to IR, um, in order to minimize the risk of radiation exposure. Although there are women of childbearing age that work in IR. So I don't, you know, I'm sure that there are ways that they can um you know combat those risks but that's just one thing that that uh in my experience we did um I would say for hazardous drugs I mean I I think again like with chemo and things you're wearing PPE and and gowned up and everything and double gloving um double glove when using cavi wipes, bleach wipes. I think that's just a good, that's just a good practice to have for anybody. Um, you know, when you're handling hazardous drugs or carcinogenic things, those cavi wipes, I saw somebody the other day that was wiping down something with the cavi wipes, the purple wipes with their bare hands. And I was like, don't do that. (laughs) Like you have to, those have carcinogens in them. Like you have to wear gloves. If anybody's doing that. Just wear gloves because nobody is going to tell you maybe except for me (laughs) or some nurse is going to be like, don't do that. But, um, yeah, like, you know, that's only hurting you. Um, (laughs) that's my soapbox. Wear gloves when using the cabbie wipes. Um, let's see. As far as can and can't take patients, no lifting heavy patients is obviously no, um, but you you have to you may still be assigned to those patients, so using your resources, other staff lift equipment um, lift equipment was my best friend when I was taking patients um because you just can wheel it right into the room like under the bed and you can we have at our facility we have hover mats which are just like this kind of nylon material with handles and hopefully you know people know what I'm talking about but um, you know, the lift just hooks onto those handles and then it brings the patient up. Um, and then you can put the wedges under there. And that was just, I mean, that was my best friend because, you know, you want to be independent still if, you know, uh, we're short staffed a lot of the times. And so that like allowed me to still be autonomous in the nursing care I provided. And, um, you know, it still allowed me to be able to turn my patients, um, you know, when they were intubated, sedated, like, All of the, and they are heavy and they also did great with like baths. So just make sure you use your lift equipment, um, that you have in your hospital. And then again, with talking to charge, I mean, take patients, try, if you can try to take patients, if you're on the floor who are ambulatory, um, and just use your best judgment, but all in all, just give yourself some grace. You know, working in such a labor intensive job is so hard while you're pregnant and people don't get it unless they've gone through it themselves. And even then they forget. So, you know, be your own advocate, listen to your body, uh, make your own accommodations. Don't break your back. Don't herniate a disc in order to keep doing the same job at the same pace that you were doing before, you know. Because you're not only hurting yourself, you have this baby to think about too. And we have to be better about making ourselves and our health a priority. And in the long run, we might stay at the bedside longer for it because we're not injuring ourselves in the present time if we are taking care of our bodies. So those are all the questions that I have. If you have other um, questions, feel free to dms on instagram at nursing uncharted i would love to answer some of those questions and i'll even try to put them in um in the stories so that other people can see them as well um but that's it for this episode thank you guys so much for listening i'll talk
1: to you later that brings us to the end of the show thanks for tuning in to nursing uncharted to learn more about today's episode make sure to explore the show notes at americanmobile.com slash nursing uncharted and don't forget to subscribe so you never miss a guest. If you're a nurse interested in traveling, visit AmericanMobile.com to explore the largest database of travel nursing jobs in the industry and the amazing benefits that American Mobile has to offer. Also, a special thanks to producer Jonathan Carey, assistant producers Katie Shrabin and Sam McKay, and Aiden Dykes for the music and editing. Until next time, take care of yourself.